I'm Kevin H. I'm Kevin C. And I'm a Seth. And this is the Dark, Dark Windows, Windows Podcast. Podcast. So just a disclaimer, we are going to talk about some things that people might not be super comfortable with. We're going to use some language, a language that people are not going to be super comfortable with. That's adult language. So, Expletives. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Or not. That's cool, too. What's going on, everybody? How do they do, interneters? And... Uh, friends of the show yeah as you probably noticed by now you only hear two of us uh yeah kevin hire is not going to be with us this week he's got some some family uh stuff going on so we decided you know take some time away from the show dude family first yep. you know this because well i just came back from having to deal with all that kind of crap so yeah and i took a week earlier this year oh, yeah and the last year when we had some Family stuff going on. So we love fa- you, people, but we got real lives. Yeah, fam- family is the most important thing we got. So, yep. You know, with all that being said, yeah. though, so let's uh, let's talk some business. Yeah. What do you want to start off with? So we're gonna start off real quick with studio headphones. Oh, um, these sweet, sweet, beautiful headphones I got on. Oh, they're wonderful, aren't they? Yeah, dude. Oh, we have the Regents. They are kick ass. Um, you go over to studio.com. Find a pair of headphones you like. Find a pair of earbuds you like. Hell, find a pair of headphones and earbuds you like. Throw them in your cart. Put in the discount code of DarkWindows15. Get 15% off your entire order, which is pretty awesome. They've That's pretty badass, yeah. to, to say the least, because I know some companies are like, oh, here's some great headphones. Here you go. What about discount? No discount. No. You're going to pay $600 for these and like it. Yeah. Um, but the Regent, like... They run uh, auxiliary or Bluetooth. Bluetooth, they've got like a 20-hour battery life, which is insane. Yeah, I charge these things like maybe once to two, every two weeks. Yeah. And then obviously like right now they're normally Bluetooth, but I ha- we have them on auxiliary here to do the show. Yeah. Which is nice. This is the only time they're ever plugged into auxiliary for me. Other really? than that, it's, yeah. I just, I run Bluetooth with them, so. I use the auxiliary when I'm playing on the game system. I'm not going to say a name, but it starts with a PlayStation. <laughs> Don't tell me. it ends with a two. <laughs> No, they don't have that. It would have to be no. like a three. Anyway. I, I miss my PS2, though. Speaking of PS2s. I miss my N64. I have an N64 in the living room. All right, let's cancel the show. Let's go play right now. Yeah, we're going to go play some ECW. All right. So what he's talking about, uh, another fun, awesome place that holds like close to our heart and that we love very much is GameEnvy.net, home of the Hobby Holder. Now, if you don't know what the Hobby Holder is or you've been hearing it at nauseum from me, it is this two-in-one little hobby tool with a handle and base combo of multitude of little possibilities you can do with that thing. You head over there, you figure out what you like, you pick it out in your colors and all that fun stuff or some other stuff. You put in the little checkout cart and you put in the promo code Broadstone at checkout in case you're wondering. It's at the top of the page, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I finally got mine though. It's kick ass. It's orange and black. You're welcome, bro. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you put in the promo code Broadstone, like I said before, and you'll save yourself 10% off your entire order. Because guess why? Love you, folks. With a new year, new promo code. No, 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 So you got a, a little bit of a... No, we're not saying that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, Game Envy. Yeah. Dot net. Dot net. Twas the Montreal Express. It was speeding at its best. Near the Hartford Bridge, it struck. A broken rail when down a fearful crash to the river it was dashed and a few survived to tell the horrid tale joyce cheney the hartford wreck this week we are talking about the hartford vermont railroad disaster um this one was this one was 
uh, you know, it was harder to research than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, because there's not many accidents or huge incidences incidences like this that occur in this area. Yep. And I thought like there would have been tons of information, at least like in our own historical areas. Because let's be honest, this is like an hour, a little over an hour away from our house, yeah, something like, like where we live. And there was nothing. Like you can find a few blurbs here and there, but that's about it. And it was mostly short little things here and there. But I found um, through the Vermont Historical Society's website, they had, I found ended up finding like 27 pages of information. So that's where most of this came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. Hey, man, sometimes that's, if that's all the information, that's what we got to yeah. roll with. But. It's more than just a train wreck because at the very end we've got some ghosty stuff too. Some, yeah, yeah, and some interesting, like kind of spooky ass ghosty stuff. And leading up to the ghosty stuff, like right around the train crash and the accident, what some of these people had to go through, what some of these people like dealt with. Yeah, is my my heart kind of still goes out to these people, and this was. What, back in the 1800s? Yeah, 1887. Yeah, and it's just like realizing from the research that we did and some of the other things I've heard about it, it's just it's a very sad situation to yeah. realize that that happened, which no one ever talks about. We never, no, it doesn't, nothing about Vermont history, nothing even New Hampshire history or any like history in general yeah. in our area even talks about this. And, and this remains to this day the worst railroad disaster in the history of the state of Vermont. I believe it. Yeah. You know, it, I have a railroad tracks five miles away from my house. I have a, a train station two miles away from my house, mm-hmm. and I have the uh, the actual railroad yard probably probably about five and a half six miles away from my house. So, yeah. like where I live on the other side of the river, there's all this train stuff, and it's like you never hear anything. You can hear them chugging along. You hear like occasionally them bumping into the cars and locking in. Yeah, but I can't imagine something like this. Yeah, this one was, this is a big one. Yeah. Um, so we are going to start off talking about the uh, the bon- the Boston Montreal Night Express, which I can't decide if it sounds like an old '80s tag team or like a really bad porno movie. Well, we got the Midnight Express, the Midnight Rockers, <laughs> the Rock and Roll Express. Got the Montreal Screwjob. It's an '80s wrestling, tag team. <laughs> re- I was like wrestling '80s porno tag team. Oh, gross. <laughs> That's the grossest thing ever. All right, I'm going to be right back. I'm going to go throw up now. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Burp. So the Boston-Montreal Night Express pulled out of the station at 2.10 a.m. on February 5th, 19... I'm sorry, February 5th, 1887. He hasn't been drinking, folks. No. He's just really nervous. The Arnold Palmer iced tea's got a lot of booze in it. I just opened it up. No, that's a John Daly when you put booze in it and Arnold Palmer. I thought, just, I thought that's when you just drank whiskey and golfed. Yeah, but he put it in an iced tea thing so that way he wouldn't get in trouble. Oh, okay. Fair enough. But you don't have cigarettes on you. Close enough. So the train was leaving the station two hours later than anticipated, and there isn't really any reason given for why it left late. Um, Probably, I would assume since it's February, it's got to be weather. Snow, ice drifts. When when it rolled out of the station, it was 18 degrees below zero. Uh, That would make sense. I mean, things could be delayed. That's that's cold. We yeah. see that a couple times a year at least, usually. Yeah. Um, the 18 below is pretty fucking cold. Um, Even for me. And I wear shorts all year round. Yeah, you're wearing shorts right now, you fucking lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a space heater in here. We're all right. Yeah. Um, so the train initially departed from Boston uh, the pre- that Friday, the previous Friday, at 7 p.m. And it came up through Lowell and uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts, and proceeded north through Concord, New Hampshire, with 37 passengers. Um, 12 in sleeping cars and most likely a couple here and there in the smoking cars, which was a combination with the mail coach. Um, 
and the rest were all in the single coach itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the train was made up of the engine, E.H. Uh, e. Baker, which is a 440, which looks – I had to look it up because I had no idea what the hell it is. It's like one of those, you know, like stereotypical looking like old-timey like coal-powered trains. Oh, like, yeah, the old steam engines that you see that are like red with uh, – or I mean black with the red kind of like little accents and the gold filigrees and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like the shit you'd see like in westerns and stuff. Yeah, yep. well, again, that's probably another reason why it probably took a while to get going. Yeah. <laughs> Eat one of those old bastards up. So there was the engine, a baggage okay. car. Yep. A regular passenger car. Okay. The sleeper car Pilgrim. They, they, they named the sleeper cars for some reason. I'm not real sure why. Eh, probably so then that way, like, oh, uh, Mr. Jenkins is in Pilgrim. Okay, well, Mrs. Smith is in Colorado. St. Albans, actually. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> so, the, cause the, so the next sleeper car was actually called St. Al- uh, Albans, which, you know, it's a... Well, if I read the notes that you <laughs> finally gave me, boom. St. Albans is a town in Vermont, though, so... It's, you know, one of those things where that's probably where they got the idea for it. Um, so from, so it, it made an initial stop in Windsor mm-hmm. and then it went to White River, which is about 15 miles, well, about 15 miles away. Or for us, that's about an hour away. Yeah. But from, from Windsor to, to White River by train, it was about 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So when the train finally did leave White River at 210 in the morning, it had a total of 115 people on board. 103 passengers and 12 crew. The train was being engineered by 22-year 22 uh, 22 veteran Charles H. Pierce of Hartford, Vermont. Um, I didn't get a lot of names in here, but the names I got in here, I got in for a reason. Because um, these are people that... Some key, don't want to say players, but key individuals. Exactly. Like we're not d- discrediting or downplaying the other people that were part of the thing. But these ones are names that you will recognize in one way or another. Right. And these are also some of the names that were specifically given throughout. Um, Through all the history. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that in, in a bit, though. Mm-hmm. So he'd made this run from Boston to Montreal quite a few times. He'd been doing this for a, for a while. We do find that there was a pretty big name on one of the trains that night, um, a Mr. Frank Wesson of Springfield, Massachusetts. Is that the Wesson of Smith & Wesson? His father was the Wesson in Smith and Wesson, I believe. Really? Yep. Wow. So that's that's a pretty big name to you know to yeah. be involved with something like this, where you just go. It was you'd think it was just you know just random people that were yeah businessmen, farmers, townspeople, yeah. city people going on vacation. Absolutely. Wow. So let's get everybody kind of in place to where they should be to get the story really going here. This is the part where you take out your graph paper and you draw yes. little trains. <laughs> You need uh, you need the quarter inch graph, okay. So, you know, quarter inch per per foot. You know, click pencil because that way, in case you yep. need to keep Mechanical writing, pencil. It. You get yep. your rulers, everything. Protractor. Yep. Protractor. That's like saying that word. Not prolapsers. <laughs> so the sleeper uh, the sleeper car Pilgrim had twenty five occupants. Uh, the sleeper car St Albans probably had somewhere in the same area of around twenty five to thirty people. Were they would guess? Um, there were a few people in the smoking car and and in other cabins as well. Uh, the porters roamed up and down the train, just helping passengers as needed. And the engineer was, you know, obviously driving the train, so he was up in the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably had somebody there helping him uh, with checking the dials, yep. making sure everything was kosher and that whole area. Because normally they're not by themselves; they would have like one or two people there. Yeah, he's uh, the, the other guy that's up there with the engineers called a fireman. That's what, okay. Cool. They, they they feed the fire and check gauges and stuff like that as needed. That would totally be my job, just shoveling yeah. coal in there the whole time. Just sitting there. Just Let me get that. this horse in here to shovel coal. Okay, fuck. All right. At least I'm warm. 
so as we said before, by the time they left, uh, the temperature had had dropped below, had dropped to eighteen degrees below zero. Uh, that's that's pretty cold. I yeah, mean, dude, if that's freezing water on contact. Yeah. And then once the train gets moving, you got that wind chill. It's going to be going, and also depending on parts of Vermont has this like wide open field thing, and yep. it's the whole trail. You're gonna get that wind crossover and everything, and then it's gonna get even colder. Like where we are, we're like technically Champlain, uh, Champlain Valley, so yeah. we have like we live in one of the lower spots of the state, and the wind comes whipping through here, and it gets fucking miserable cold. Yeah, and then you go above ev- elevation where you think it's gonna be like much colder, and it's like, oh wow, it's Oof. like oh this is nice. <laughs> oh, it's like five degrees difference. Uh, so the central Vermont tracks of, uh, out of White River uh, followed very closely to the western side of the of the White River. To the point that the tracks take a pretty drastic, uh, I believe it was like a 33-degree bend to, to keep following along with the river. So that's that, a, is that's a, a, that is a sharp bend. That's a pretty sharp bend for a train. Yeah, especially in, with these older trains that don't have like the mechanics behind them to kind of keep them level. Yeah, they don't have like the gyroscopic Yeah, because if you're going too crap. fast, for prime example, when you're a little kid, you play with like the little RC cars mm-hmm. on the track. If you go around too sharp of a corner, like 45 degrees, and you're holding that little trigger down, that flips that car out Yeah, of they just go skating off. <laughs> Same thing with model trains. So this is just a bigger version of that. Oh, yeah. I, I and can, with oh, ice and snow? No thanks, man. I, I can tell you from experience, I grew up having model trains, and like you get, you could get mine cranking, and you'd have like a full line of cars with it. And if you didn't slow down coming into the corners, you're going to fucking dump it. and then Yeah, because there's nothing there to stabilize. Yeah, and then dad's going to yell at you because that shit's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> So the tracks grew uh, grew close to the West Hartford uh, Bridge, which crossed the White River. The bridge called was actually I'm sorry, the bridge was called a deck bridge because it was completely made of wood. Um, bridge is about 650 feet long with four major spans of about 145 feet, and at the north abutment a 60 to 70 foot span. So I, I'm guessing what it was is is you kind of have to look at it like it's in sections. So you'd have like four good long sections and then the, like the shorter section at the other end, like where they would have to bring it in and, and pieces to put it together on the bridge. Kind of like when you uh, like the stereotypical trains and movies that you would see like going over the huge like uh, cliff face or whatever when they're connecting. Mm-hmm. So probably, yeah, it's definitely something like that. I would imagine. So the distance from the tracks to the ice covered river below is around 50 feet. Mm. So here's where it starts to get. We start getting into the bad stuff. Oh, um so on top of the wooden trusses was a la- was a layer of sheet iron. The sheet iron was there between the rails, the ties, and the support structure. It was there to deflect sparks from the smokestack so that it didn't catch the bridge on fire. Which makes sense. The ironic part is that this is actually what helped create the fire on the bridge that we're about to run into. No. Yeah. So even though the train needed to make up some time uh, because it left behind schedule... And it was actually supposed to get to a pa- uh, crossing that was scheduled before the, the, the southbound train coming from Montreal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, obviously, you don't want them to hit. So they have to they have scheduled times that they would hit the crossings. Yeah. That's a math equation that I can never figure out. Yeah. Train I mean, A and train B and leave. When are they going to collide? I don't know. If that's fucking dark. Let's not yeah, talk about why that. Why aren't they on different fucking tracks? Yeah. Get in your own lane, train. Jesus. <laughs> uh, so even though they were trying to get back... Sometime the engineer said that he slowed the train down from 25 miles an hour to 12 miles an hour for the bridge crossing, which just to when, be safe. Yeah, when you think about it, like 25 miles seems so slow in a car when you're on the road and yeah. you don't have anything to worry about. And 
like when we talked about off air, that's like most school zones yeah, is going yeah, down to 25. And then you think about it, 25 miles an hour in an old, like heavy duty train, like these things, mm-hmm. that's a lot of like power. That's a lot of like momentum coming at you and does not stop on a dime no. like a car can. So now you backtrack it to 12 miles an hour and then it's even more like, holy crap, that's so, that's even slower. But again, it's, that's a huge a lot of mass to have come chugging along down the rails. Yeah, especially when it's pulling that many cars. And in that know? kind of weather. Yeah, and that the the thing is though, it was a clear night. It wasn't snowing or anything. It was just miserable, bitter cold. Which yeah. makes it even weirder. I was just saying it because of the heat of the engine and then any condensation or whatever. Yeah, that that could be too. So the first indication that something was wrong was reported by Henry Tewksbury, who said there was a swaying back and forth and the cars were jolting. Um, so with the jolting, I'm assuming that would be maybe the uh, the wheels not making full contact on the track. Yeah, like kind of like uh, like you were saying before when we were talking before we were recording, like almost going to a flat tire, like where you, the tire isn't fully inflated. Yeah, and you get that thump, thump, like, thump, yeah, thump as like, you're going. Exactly. I mean that, that's that's how I took it at least. Yeah, I me like, too. It makes I mean, it would make sense because otherwise it's like okay, how else would it be jolting unless it's the wind, but. That would uh, that would cause the swaying. You'd the think. swaying, yeah. yeah. But with the jolting, I'm thinking this: the wind. So if the the trains are kicking up a little bit, or there's something on the track, even though that is a clear night, there still will be snow. Right. That it could cause a misconnection on the track. Or if even like what? If, or if there was something wrong with uh, like the wheels that connect around the track, like if something yeah. got bent there and it's thumping every time it comes through. Exactly. I'm not a trainologist. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a trained doctor. <laughs> So he was with the conductor, a man named Sturtevant, which is an awesome name to say. <laughs> Sturtevant. <laughs> uh, he had just he uh, the conductor had just returned from making his rounds and checking the smoking car. They immediately pulled the overhead cord that ran to a bell in the engine room. Um, so basically, it was like you know, like your old old timey like bus stop yeah, thing where you the ding 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 yeah. So that would ring a bell in uh, in the engine to get a hold of the engineer to let him know there's a problem. Um. So when. Uh, when the engineer uh, Pierce heard the bell, uh, he looked back at the right side of the uh, at the right side window of the engine, just in time to see the uh, the rearmost sleeping car Pilgrim teeter off the bridge and fall towards the river below. Are you shitting me? I swear to God. <laughs> Could you? Oh my God! Could you imagine that? Just walking by and being like, just, "Okay, everybody's good. Let everyone know. Get the the ring of probably like two rings. Everyone's good. Yeah. Ding ding, we're good." Oh no, they they ding the thing like we got a problem here. But, oh, I was like, I didn't know if it was like a like one ring is everything's copacetic, two rings we're okay, three rings holy shit, Christ stop. I think it's just more like just ring and ring and ring and just to let them know there's something wrong. But you imagine you imagine just like sticking your head out the window and looking back and going and just as you you turn your head back you see this fucking car fall off and you're like oh fuck. It's one of those things where where two parts would happen. Like one of like holy shit, I'm I'm happy I missed that, and then the other one's like. Oh, shit, oh, there's my, people in there. <laughs> oh, my God. What do we do? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is where shit goes straight south right quick. Yeah, and it, and it goes and it, quick, fast, in a fucking hurry south. Wasn't it like 12 minutes that this all took place? 30. Just about 30 minutes from... From start of accident to... Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Our episode's going to be longer than this. Yeah. It's already almost as long as, as the entire incident. So, like we said, he saw... The car, the sleeper car Pilgrim, go sailing off the the tracks. The next car that would go was the sleeper car St Albans, and then two coaches in front of St Albans. 
So it literally just started a domino effect of one going, then the next, and the next, and the next. Yep, it ended up taking four cars off off the bridge. Luckily, fifty feet down on frozen ice. Yeah, into water. But luckily, the uh, the coupling broke between the the mail car and the last coach that went off. So that saved the rest of the train. And Yay, the mail saved. But it saved other people that were up exactly, front as well. Yeah. So that was that's kind of a silver lining, I guess. But just because they were still on the tracks didn't mean they were out of danger because the bridge quickly caught fire, enveloping the four coaches and then reached to the supports above. So the the cars that fell off hit the ice and caught fire and immediately caught the support beams underneath on fire. Yeah, because if you think about it, they they would have to have probably like candles or lanterns because lanterns. there's no electricity nope. in these things. And we, as we talked about before, between the bridge and the river down below, there's 50 feet. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't take much for... And you also wow. have your support beams that are coming down to ground level that, are, that catch yeah, fire. Yeah, exactly. And I, I did have to check into what the lanterns that were in there were whale oil and kerosene, and that shit burns forever. Yeah, as soon as it touches something and flame hits it, yeah. don't even bother. No, it's, you know. It's the reason um, why it was used for so long. Exactly. And that's an old wooden bridge, so you know that's all dried out wood. Yep. There'd been no warning other than some vibration and a shudder, uh, and I'd, I'd guess that probably a fair amount of metal squealing. Other oh. than that, there was oh. no indication that, th- that, that anything noise. was going on. Then imagine being one of those sleeper cars and plunging towards the water. Oh, you wouldn't even know until it's too late. You're half asleep and you're just like, what the hell is going on here, you know? Yeah, you would not know until it's too late. And the whole thing happened so fast that there was no chance for a second alarm to be raised throughout the rest of the train. Mrs. W.S. Bryden, who was uh, was almost asleep, and one of the sleeper cars was barely able to be extricated through a broken window... But she was only able to be because she was only wearing her sleeping clothes, so she wasn't all bundled up. Yeah. Um, she was then, uh, and then she survived bitter cold temperatures as it's still 18 degrees below zero. And at this point in time, she was just in water. So we're going to talk about some of the other people that were involved. Um, a father from Canada, David Margaret, was this, pin- this man. I'm just going to cut you off right now. Yeah, no problem. From what we've talked about off air, from the research we did and all that stuff, this man was a man's man. Yeah. Like, this guy literally had a set of stones on him that would make the gods bow down to him. Uh, he was he was pinned in the wreck, and he was unable to get himself free. Knowing he was not getting out of there, he gave his personal effects, which uh, which were a watch and a small pocketbook, to his, to his young son and said goodbye um, as a wall of flames... Before you go down the wall of flames, because that is true, we can't. We have to actually touch on too. While they were trying to figure out if they could get him out, they there's easily like 500 pounds on top of him or something like that. Not more, yeah. There was a ton of weight on him. He was just laying there talking to the to the train people, to the other passengers. He was literally just laying there talking like, oh, don't worry about it. Help everybody else out. It's fine. He's trying to keep everybody else calm and not worrying about himself. This man was literally. Pinned, yes, literally from before. <laughs> he was pinned and was so calm and relaxed from everything that we read that he just was like, "All right, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. I get it. It's fine. We're gonna be okay. You be okay. You're fine. You're safe. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, don't worry about me. There's other people that need yeah, help. But the only time that were the only time where things got real for him was when the flames were coming up towards him, mm-hmm. 
And then that's when, I guess, from what we read, or at least what I read, that's when the fear got to him. And that's when he started like, okay, boys, can we uh, can we try something? Can, boys, we got to do something, like mm-hmm. whatever. Like the the my personal effects was, you know, a gesture of like, hey, whatever happens, happens. But as soon as it actually happened, true fear reli- like hit him. Oh man, could you imagine that? No, because he he at that like, point in time he had the realization that he's going to die in a horrible way. Yeah, being the anchor and trying to keep everybody calm to now all shit's breaking loose and mm-hmm. you're like, this is real. Like I can't stay calm anymore. Oh my god, this is my last moment on this earth yeah. is me dealing with this. And then to die in a fire. Yeah, it's got to be one of the, the most painful ways fucking go. ways to go. Ugh. Um, we're gonna go back to the conductor, uh, Mr. Sturdivant. Sturdivant. This poor son of a bitch. He he got it real good. Um, oh no. He was in one of the coaches when it went and went down with it. He suffered severe burns, a mangled arm and shoulder, and had his head crushed by falling debris. I don't usually say this, but thankfully he died the next day. Yeah. Then they have, uh, they dragged him to a local uh, farm. Yeah. They had and to, they he had was to, in the barn or something like that. Yeah. And, they had to put him out before they did any of that. Like he was on, he was actively burning when they got to him. They they threw snow on him and put him out. Yeah. And, Cause I remember reading that oof. they dragged him. There was a farm stand, a farmstead. Like yep. There was uh, there was twenty feet away from a hundred feet away. There was one at at one end of the bridge, and then a ho- there was a farm at the north end of the bridge, I believe. And well, we'll get into that part yeah, as yeah. well with the the. Geology, just, the geography of it, but yeah, there was a there was a house and a farm on either end of the bridge that they used for. Because I know when they when after all that they literally dragged him mm-hmm. literally again drink, <laughs> uh, they dragged him to the barn and they were trying to like uh, clean him up, trying to keep him safe and like assessing all of his injuries, but it was like just again yeah, there's, there's too much, nothing you can do. Um, some of the uh, so. Ooh. Yeah, some of the passengers, <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets dark. Uh, some of the passengers had to be identified by bits of their clothing and remnants of personal gear. Uh, some of the dead were never even identified because they didn't have the capability of of doing stuff like that back then. They didn't take dental records and all that. If if you just- yeah, the only thing you would know is uh, via purchase of a pre- of a train ticket yep. or saying, like for instance, hey Kev, I'm going to be going on the train. I'm heading up to Montreal. I'll see you when I get back. Yeah. And then you just assume that I'm on that train, not a different one. Yep. Or, you know, you find somebody and go, oh, that's my uh, my mother's wedding ring. That's, you know, yeah. there it is. Like mine. Mine's engraved. So that's nice. how you get. Yeah, dude. Nice. Anniversary. So that way I always know when it is. <laughs> Thinking. Uh, actually, my, my wife told me she was going to put on the inside of it, put it back on. Because <laughs> I, I fiddle with it all I the do damn too. time. I, I fiddle. I flip it around all the time on mine, too. Um the worst of what we could find was... I don't want to talk about this one. Uh, they, they did find a, a parent and a child fused together um, in a final embrace that they were burned completely beyond recognition. So this one, again, hits yeah. really hard being a father. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't imagine the feeling of knowing you're going to die. Like, as a parent, I hate to say it, parents should die before their kids. Yes. Like... Parents live their life to their fullest or to the best of their ability, and then they're supposed to afford the rest of, like, their child should be able to have the rest of their life to do what they want yes. and how they please. You should, nobody should ever have to bury their own child. That's yeah. not fair. And knowing that you're on a train 
with your child and now it's on fire and there's nothing you can do except for as a parent try to shield this poor kid mm-hmm. as best as you can but realizing it doesn't matter it, it's over yeah it's and just hearing the screams i can't it was probably one of the darkest things for me to deal with it's yep. just knowing i know what i no. This 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 is not going to be our normal like kind of like happy fun loving episode, but yeah, because it's it's not a happy event. Like this, no. this was something that is still it's still talked about today. Honestly, I mean, you, it's it, this was a big deal. And knowing that we could easily drive to the site in an hour and a half. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about maybe doing it tomorrow. Just take some pictures and stuff, but yeah. Um, but to the, to their credit, the remaining crew on the bridge reacted immediately. They jumped into action. The engineer Pierce and his fireman, they didn't give a first name. They gave his last name as Thresher. Great last name. Right? So they they jumped out of the engine and, like, slid down this hill with shovels and lanterns and stuff. They slid down the hill uh, down towards what was left of the, the carts that were at the bottom. Mm-hmm. A man named George Parker, a brakeman on the train, correct, uh, correctly assessed the vibrations and jumped out of the train before everything went down. So before the train tipped over, he's like, something's going on. I'm getting the hell out of here. And you he jumped off the train and ran for the, for a, a close-by house to let him know oh, that they were going to like, need help. Holy shit. Like, instead of letting anybody know, he's like, fuck this. I'm gone. Yeah, no, I, I that's what I thought at first. And I was like, oh, this guy's a dick. Then I'm like, wait a minute. Hmm. Um, but he, he slid down the other side and ran to a house to again to get some help. Uh, someone from the house actually went back to White River to try to you know, raise the alarm there and say we're going to need help. We got a problem up here. Well, yeah, because I think where they were, uh, where the crash happened, I think White River was closer by like what five, ten miles. It was four point two miles from where the train left to where it crashed. Yeah, where going the opposite direction would have been just a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and during this time, and kind of currently, White River is still a hub of different connections coming in yeah. to in and out of Vermont. A lot of people go to White River. And then branch out on the different highways yep. to go someplace else. Yeah, you get it's like a, a, a hub for like from Massachusetts, New Hampshire, into Canada. Can, Canada, it'll run you all the way up, yeah. uh, up the line. As Pierce and uh, as Pierce and Thresher tried to get people out of the coaches, uh, that's when the fires began. Uh, Pierce tried shoveling snow onto the fire, but it was completely useless. Uh, they were the flames were growing faster than he could throw fire. Uh, yeah. throw Snow as, on it. As we talked about with the uh, the things that they used for their lights and probably the heat source for each car, there was no chance. No. No chance with the, the type of whale oil and kerosene and all that stuff. Yeah, kerosene burns like a son of a bitch. Too. And it will burn on snow. Like, that stuff is fat. That If it goes on snow or any surface, it will still burn. Yep. So the next plan they had was to start breaking out windows to pull survivors out. Uh, Pierce and Thresher saved eight lives in their efforts doing this. You know, that's not bad. That's not bad considering what they were working with and the situation they were in. That's Yeah, they jumped to the fire rather than yeah, probably they, some people running away from it. Exactly. Uh the coach uh the coach they the coach that they saved people from was uh the coach that they had also pu- uh, pulled Sturtum out from. Uh he he was still alive when they pulled him free and put him out cuz he had like I said we he was actively burning. Yeah, you know, he was he, unconscious and on fire. Yeah. Um, as other railroad employees and even some passengers tried to keep pulling passenger, uh, survivors out, uh, Pierce and Thresher ran back up the hill because they realized that the bridge is on fire. We have to get the rest of this train off of here. We're going to have a lot worse of a situation than, than what we're dealing with currently. Yeah, because if you think about it, they would be down there, and then if all of a sudden the rest of the train and the bridge collapses down on top of them. Yeah. 
Imagine that you get all these people that you're trying to pull out and everybody down there working. And then all of a sudden the rest of a train falls on top of them. Yeah. That's a clusterfuck. So they rush back up the hill and they got, they ended up getting the train and remaining cars off the tracks. Um, from the time that the first car went off to the time that the bridge was fully engulfed in flames was less than 30 minutes. Yeah. Like I said, this, our episode will be longer than this event. Mm-hmm. We're good at that though. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we took uh, we took six hours to talk about a forty two minute shooting. This is true. <laughs> but there was a lot of information. Yes, there was. And like with this, there's a lot of like little tidbits that are there to discuss yeah. about. And I didn't really think there was gonna be that much to find on this and uh, fucking lo and behold, here we are, you know. Gods of fate came shining down yeah. upon you, was like, Here you go, here's your information. So in all, thirty seven people would die uh, in the event, including five crew members. Uh fifty would be injured. 28 escaped physically uninjured, but I'm sure they carried some scars with them for the rest of their lives, uh, just being through an uh, event like that. Oh, would it be physical, emotional, yeah. mental? Yeah. yeah you, there's, there, there's no way to ever let that go. No, absolutely not. Two buildings stood at the ends of the bridge, the the Pine Gree House at the south end and the Pain Farm to the north and just off to the east side of the tracks. Irony about the Pain Farm when you think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, both of these immediately became hospitals, recovery rooms, and morgues. Uh, the fact that there were so many people, men, women, and children, that were partly crushed, burned, mangled, and just generally kind of smashed to bits was made even worse by the fact that by the time they were pulling people to these buildings, temperatures had dropped down past 20 degrees below zero. Imagine like that feeling of being in extreme heat and exertion. Exertion. Of, like, dealing with the fire, you're running yeah. around, trying to do all this, and then all of a sudden temperatures get below 20. Yeah, the 20 below zero, and you're, A, you're wet because you're in water. You're sweating. You're sweating. Or you have severe, severe burns. Yep. And anybody that's ever burned anything, like, whether it be from, like, when you're cooking, playing with a match or lighter, being dumb, yep. any kind of amount of temperature differential there, and it, like, feels like you're being scraped mm-hmm. with, like, razor blades and lemon juice. So not only so again we bring up you brought up a good point here because now they're worrying about frostbite and hypothermia too. Yeah, because which, your body is already taxed. Yeah. So thanks to the efforts of the person or persons that went back to White River, a relief train arrived fairly quickly. I mean, as quickly as you can get a train there, mm-hmm. full of doctors, wrecking tools, and volunteers to help with uh, with recovery and trying to pull anybody else out that they can yeah because there may be somebody that they just weren't able to get because their hands are frozen solid yeah or their bodies are freezing so sunday the day after the wreck um was oh i'm sorry sunday 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 Sunday. trucks (laughs) so the day uh after the wreck following what to this day as we said before is the worst railroad disaster in the history of vermont onlookers swarm the scene uh some looking to looking for friends and loved ones some to aid in the grisly work of picking through remains and the real scavengers kind of showed up later in the day that were souvenir hunting or just kind of gopping at the wreckage and do you ever notice that that always seems to happen it's gross isn't it yeah it's like a disgusting thing of like oh all these people are dying or dead or you know people are injured i could get well, a piece of something let's go see if i can get some memorial little pieces like yeah. you see this right here this is a finger bone from yeah. jenkins that died this Why do you have that? Why, what's the point of having this? If you're not there to help and you're there to scavenge and steal shit, get the fuck out of yeah, here. get lost. It, Go have a life. 
oh hey check out this watch i found it on a on a you know severed arm you yeah want, you want to wear it no fuck off leave it alone hey look i found this off of that you know mother child over there it's a cool little doll it's not bad yeah a little burned whatever fucking gross animals so during the investigation after everything had been cleaned up uh, a trackman named Clarence Hutchinson testified that it was his job to walk the uh, to walk a section of the tracks that included where the the accident had occurred. He did the, he did his walk between seven thirty and eleven p.m. with a lantern in hand. Um, I had to read it a couple of times when I was typing it, but it made sense. He would walk in one direction on one rail, mm-hmm. inspecting everything. Then we got to a certain point when he got to the end of it, he would turn around and come back up the other rail, looking at that one as well. So he'd kind of go down one side and then go to, you know, make his turn and then come back the other side and Yeah, because rails are, how long are you an average rail, do we think? Like, Don't really know. It was a, he had a pretty good section to walk though. Yeah. But instead of walking like a little bit, then going back and hopping over onto the other rail and looking there. Or walking down the middle where there's probably like easily like knee high snow or shin snow. Yeah. Or if you're walking across the bridge, you just fucking yeah. fall through it. Like, you know. Yeah. So it would make sense why we would look down on there. Yeah. Um, hell, now they have trucks that do that. Exactly. <laughs> like we have trucks around here, like that have the little things where they can fold down these hydraulic little tracks. Yeah, and these just, little coasters, whatever you want to call them, and they ride right down the track. And I, they, I there's a guy to do that. Who, yeah, and there's usually a guy who is does his job. He just sits on it while another guy drives. Yep. Either one in the tailgate, he's looking down, and one in the front looking up forward. So that's exactly what he was doing. He was looking for. Uh, defects in the in the rail especially like around curves because again with trains back then that was your most dangerous spot was coming into curves coming out of curves yeah um he said he didn't find anything wrong with the rails but he went on he also went on to say that he thought a freight train had passed over the same section between his inspection uh between the time of his inspection and the wreck anything's possible and a freight train is actually going to be heavier than a passenger train because it's carrying freight you know and also with generating the heat due to the friction right could have got super super warm and hot and then all of a sudden cooled right down because anybody that lives near uh, a place that has bridges the bridges freeze like that yep like bridge freezes before road you have a sign on every single one of them where i live there's a there's a bridge that anytime it drops below a certain temperature that bridge is locked down they just nope they close it off you can't go across it anymore they've even rebuilt it they've tried doing all these different things but as soon as the weather gets cold enough that bridge is stopped and the worst part of that bridge and it's 10 feet is where the bridge comes up to the rest of the road and there's that one like i don't know it's maybe a foot wide of section metal. of metal that's fucking slippery in summertime yeah <laughs> just like you right like every time it. you stop you 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 that's where you feel the jolting yep so the uh, the investigation didn't come up with any explanation for the wreck um but they thought at the time that it may have been caused by a broken axle on one of the coaches which i could see maybe if you're not inspecting the equipment as well as it should be maybe you would miss you know, a little bit of a break in one of the axles or something like that. You're fucking freezing your nuts off out there. It's February and we're Vermonters, so we have snow. Yeah, usually this, till April, March. And this damn train's leaving two hours later than it's supposed to have. And you were supposed to have been home two hours ago, but now you're still at work because you're stuck waiting for this freaking train to go. And you have a lantern. Exactly. Like, it's not like having a flashlight or a set of yeah. headlights. It's a lantern. If you ever want to know what that's like, walk into a room with a lighter or a match. And oh, walk yeah, around no, your entire you. room and see what you don't bump into compared to what you do bump into. Yeah. I'm, I'm better off walking 
into a dark room with no light source, then I am with like a fucking match or something like that. My wife all. is so, is shocked because I can walk around my entire house without any lights on mm-hmm. better than I can if I had a flashlight when we lose power. Yep. Because exactly. I know, I know my steps. So now, uh, now that we get all the kind of, you know, the, 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 the real depressing shit, the really depressing shit. Yeah, exactly. Out of the way. We're going to talk about the aftermath and the possible haunting of the area. I believe it. Uh, yeah, I will believe that there's haunting because every haunted show that's out on TV right now, they always say the same thing. If there's any like serious sadness, dramatic event, major or tragic, major tragedies, you know, this, it's going to imprint it in that area. Absolutely. So pretty quickly after the bridge burned down, it was rebuilt, but this time it was rebuilt with steel. So well, it's makes not going to burn. Uh, in, in the years since, uh, people walking in the area have noticed the smell of something burning. Usually wood, sometimes oil. Those and, are you distinct know, smells. Yeah, you're, it, it, exactly. They're they're very noticeable. They're not smells that you're going to be like, what the hell is that? No, now, just so are they taking into account like maybe the, the, uh, the farm or the house on either side? Because this is an area where a lot of times there would be a wood stove or a fireplace. Right. This is Vermont again, like I keep saying. You live in a house that runs mm-hmm. off of wood. But, they, but they're smelling this stuff in, like, summertime, oh, stuff like that. Okay, but that makes sense. again, you really can't go, oh, it's definitely a haunting because how many people have bonfires in the summer? <clears throat> how many bonfires have you had last summer? Yeah, we had a couple. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just because it's a bonfire doesn't mean you're not going to smell oil because sometimes, sometimes you have dumb people that dumb people that like to throw shit into a fire. Or they, have, they start it with gas. Yeah. So phantom smells are a pretty common occurrence in hauntings. Um but in an outdoor environment, it's less common, and it's also harder to try to track down, like we said, because you're outside. You never know what the hell you're doing. Yeah, you know. the way the wind carries anything, if you're in a field compared to a mountainous area, this it'll be different how it's carried by the wind. Exactly. The most compelling and exciting piece of evidence for the haunting is many witnesses have, see, have seen a spectral little boy. Uh, people have seen a little boy standing on the West Hartford Bridge, but don't realize it was a ghost until they've passed and look in a rearview mirror and realize that he's not there. I think we may have to make a uh, a school trip. Yeah, maybe trip. wait. Yeah, maybe wait till the speedmeister comes back. Yeah, I think it, I think we should. Do I think that. a little ghost hunting will help make his make yeah. his day better. Yeah. So people every year swim in the White River uh, in the area near the bridge and surrounding area. Um, many people have actually seen a little boy in old fashioned clothing, including uh, white socks and knickers, which are like old timey pants. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Um, it's believed this little guy is Joseph uh, Margaret, the son of David Margaret, the man that was burned to death when he was pinned. Because he did lose a child in the in the fires. Okay, I was out. like, I thought his son he gave everything to, and his son was one of the survivors. One of them, one of them did survive. But he, if you had another son, that would make sense. Yep, uh, his ghost. This this part is really really cool. Or it could have been that uh, the parent and child that were in the embrace. That could have been his wife and son, or, or somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. This part is kind of cool because there's actually people that have seen his ghost walking somewhere like between four and six feet above the surface of the water. So the cars are stacked when they fall. Right church, wrong pew. Because this is where we're going to start talking about Stephen Marshall, who's a, a gentleman that lives right here in Vermont that's investigated the haunting. I feel like we he came to the haunted house one year. He probably did. Because we had a Vermont paranormal investigator come to the haunted house a couple it, it years m- it ago. It might have been him. I don't know. Because he was remember. super nice. Yeah, he was a great guy. If it was, he was a great guy. 
but the way he makes sense of it is that at the time of the accident, the ice would have raised the river to the level of where the boy was seen walking. So he would have been walking across the ice, and then after it melts, he's just walking. Over by me, remember the back road to go into town mm-hmm. that normally when we go up to like uh, Route 7 ever, we can head south? Yep. There's that little side road where the farm is. Well, when the water, when enough water comes in and or the ice melts, it raises the river. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that road floods out, and other times you look look at it, and there's like there's no way any water would come near here. Mm-hmm. My back forty, my yard floods every time it rains. Yep. I didn't think about that. That actually would make a lot of sense because yeah. that would be the way it's imprinted. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because he he wouldn't have been walking across the water. He was walking across ice. Yeah, and ice and, expands, and that's exactly how you know if it's a recurring haunting kind of thing. That's exactly how it would he would be doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. Over and over. It's like a, a record player, just constantly going. Exactly. Fascinating. So many, many feel that even though he, uh, even though he survived the, oh, I miss, I misinformed you, people. I'm sorry. This little guy actually survived the accident, but many people believe that even though he survived, he returned to the place that he last saw his father alive. That could, that, that would make sense. That why makes it could sense be Marguerite? Too. Yeah, I apologize because I didn't, I. I I was up way too late looking at this, and yeah, I, didn't, I didn't read all the way back through it. o'clock in the morning yeah. still going. Well, and then that would also make sense because that was probably when his childhood disappeared. Exactly. And that was the most traumatic event. And mm-hmm. if you That's, watch certain ghosts of it, like hunting shows, even though people have died in other locations, their soul will still go back to where everything, you know, changed. Yep, because something that traumatic, you never forget. Like, hell, when I die, I'm probably going to go back to Denny's and just chill. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not Dennis. I'm just going to fucking chill out at Applebee's. Five know. guys. Yeah. Oh, Cajun fries, bitch. Yes. Mm. Curly fries. So even though this was the worst uh, railroad accident in the history of the state of Vermont, like we said, with 37 dead, um, this incident pales in comparison to a couple of other really big ones that have happened. Um, there was a wreck in 1908 in Nashville, Tennessee, where two trains collided head-on, resulting in 100 people being killed outright and 171 injured. The worst train wreck of all time happened in Sri Lanka the day after Christmas in 2004, when a tsunami swept a train off the tracks, killing 1,700 people. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was one of those tsunamis that that killed like over half a million people, and it took 1,700 people. Right off these train tracks, gone, never to be seen again. You imagined just being stuck in a fucking tube and dr- no, 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 no. Well, and what's really kind of ironic is I've like traveled multiple different forms. I've had multiple different forms of travel. So I've been on a plane, been in the uh, the T down in Boston, mm-hmm. which doesn't isn't the same, but yeah, subway, you know, car, bus, truck. Like moving van, all these different things. The one thing I've always wanted to do was ride actually on a train across country or to another oh, state cool. or whatever. But like when you read things like this, it's like, no, no, that's cool. I'd rather fly in a plane because I know when it crashes, I'm going to be dead. That's just, that's why I don't fly because I'm like, as soon as I get on this plane, it's going to crash. Even yeah. though it hasn't taken off yet, it's still going to crash and I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't want to die. But no. it, it doesn't really matter because it's, it will happen anyway. Yeah. But. It's it, it, these things just make you kind of reaffirm and make you re like make you think again about how things have changed. Yeah. Now, 
So instead of being old school steam engine uh, running off a of coal and your heat sources by like lighting fires, mm-hmm. having lanterns that use kerosene and oil, now everything's electric. Yeah. And now there's way more safety uh, programs and systems in place to take care of you. Like a lot of this stuff is automated. And when Amtrak goes, a lot of they take a lot of times they take the weather into account of how they travel and whatever because everything's on radar. So with this, it was just some guys who were professionals doing the best that they could. Yep. And there was even though they thought they were doing the best they could, there was freak accidents. Mother Nature is a cruel mistress. Yeah, and you you can't blame this on any of the crew members because it wasn't their fault. Like no. these guys, these were all experienced people that knew what they were doing. This was just, it was wrong place, wrong time, wrong train. Yeah. So that's one of the things that gets me. it's like, even the guy who ran the brake man who ran, mm-hmm. he still went to the house to let him know, Hey, there, we need help. Yeah. We, we're, we're in trouble. He may yeah. have jumped off and watched the accident. And then he's like, Oh shit, I actually need to do the responsible thing and yeah. go run. But Holy shit, man. I mean, stuff like this still happens today. I, I just pulled one up. There was a a train crash in Crozette, Virginia last year. Eh, I'm just going to read it right from the Wikipedia. Yeah. It says, at approximately, at approximately 11.16 a.m., Amtrak Congressional Special Train 923 struck the left rear of a garage of a garbage truck operated uh, by time disposal um, at a railroad crossing near Crozette, Virginia. This caused the truck to rotate clockwise. So, I mean, you still have train wrecks today, but they're not nearly as dramatic as they used to be. Like this one, yes, someone did die. There were six injuries. But you very rarely get a a head-on collision with trains anymore. You very rarely have a train derailing and killing Because so much stuff is automated. Exactly. And there's so many more safety features now than there was back then when it was just fucking Wild West. Because with events like this, this will breed, for instance, with a bridge. This old rickety wooden bridge that had pieces of sheet metal to help deflect the sparks, which in turn caused the fire. Now this bread of, okay, we need to get this bridge back open. What do we do? We need to build it out of metal so this never happens again. Yes, exactly. Okay, now with the trains, how can we strengthen these couplers? How can we, you know, reinforce the tracks? How can we reinforce the train itself? Events like this, as sad and depressing and as horrible as they are, it's one of those things that makes things better because it is by those who have suffered that the world is mostly advanced or advanced mostly. Yeah, you you learn from... The tragedies mis- like this. Yeah, you learn from the mistakes of the past how to be better and how to become stronger and how to evolve. Exactly. I mean, because if stuff like this didn't happen, you wouldn't have. We'd still be running coal trains. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't have this the safety features and stuff that we have now. Like if you know when cars first came out, if you didn't have people getting killed in those things constantly all over the place, you wouldn't have airbags. You wouldn't have power steering. You wouldn't have power brakes. You wouldn't have any of the safety features. You wouldn't have seat belts for God's sake. It's because of stuff like this that, like you said, things get advanced and we evolve. Yeah. You know, so much. So can I just change the subject a little bit? Yeah, please. Let's, let's go to something more positive. So last week we uh, announced that a friend of the show, family of the show, Kino, got engaged to his girl. Well, I got news again, and I'm going to drop it right now again. 
another one of our friends of the show and family of the show, Mr. Poovy, got engaged to his lovely fiance Yay. now. So I'm gonna, we're going to try this again. I'm going to try calling him. <laughs> and we're going to see what happens. We're matchmakers up in here, even though these people are probably all together. No, dude. Hopefully this will work. Dude. Hey, guess what? You're on the podcast right now. Hey. Yeah, you're on the podcast right now. Hey, congratulations, man. We're uh, we're recording right now, so you're going to be on this week's episode, and we wanted to say hi and that we love you and congratulations on your engagement, and I hope you cried like a bitch. It's totally worth it, man. Oh, I did. I cried like a little bitch when I asked my wife to marry me. I kind of threw the <laughs> ring at her because I didn't know what else to do. But, yeah, so we're recording. I wanted to call and, you know, wish you congratulations and say that we're sending massive love your way. So, all right, buddy. Ah, we're fine. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Bye. That was awesome. Yeah, it worked. Now I think we need to start calling people on a weekly basis. Yes. <laughs> if you got any engagements, make friends with us so that way we can call you randomly. Or Hell you got yeah. other cool news. But yeah, so oh. uh, I'm going to say one thing out of this entire thing. Um, if you're listening to this episode, and like we said before, if you do not hear the lovely little Kevin Hire Speedmeister's voice, please send him some love, send him some well wishes, send him anything positive you can. He and his family are going through some uh, dark times right now. Yeah, his, uh, his mom's in the hospital. She's pretty sick. So yeah, they Jane think, is a rock, but you know they think we they still need positive out, vibes. But it's still you know it's still tricky. Yeah, so. and that that family is a beautiful family, man. Yep. They need some positive vibes. Please send them anything you can. You know, just say hey, man. Hope everything goes well. Send it to his personal Instagram, Facebook. Email yeah. the show. We'll send it off to him. Just give him. You let him know that everybody you know cares about him and that. You know, all that fun stuff. We yeah, love you, buddy. He'll be back next week. Yeah. Pretty, pretty sure. Um, if not, then we'll make it up as we go yeah, along. Yeah, we'll, we'll fucking trooper it. Or, you know, we'll trooper along. We'll, Snow, we'll keep it going. Stormtrooper? Yeah, the speeder bike trooper, buddy. Oh. The best helmet ever. Taskmaster. Yeah. Too bad I don't think anybody knows who he is. I don't anyway. know. I, I, like I said, when we were off the air, when I first came in, when you had him in here and you had him turned away from the door, I walked in. I'm like, why is there a tiny cleansman on my table? Oh, no, man. <laughs> Taskmaster. Marvel. But you got to see what I'm coming at, you know, where I'm coming from, right? No, I don't see. He's got the see little it. white hood and the robe and stuff, and I'm you like, stop. why the hell? You stop. Uh, but you st- but after you explained it to me, Taskmaster seems pretty fucking cool. Um, you know who else is pretty fucking cool? Studio, Studio headphones. They're Woo! pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Transition. That was exactly. a good one. Mine are usually shit, but that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Go over to studio.com. Um, check out what they have for headphones. They and have earbuds. a variety They've of got awesome a stuff. Ton of different stuff, different colors. Um, if you're using old beat up pieces of shit skull candies like your boy over here that like he used to, yeah, and then all of a sudden decided, you know what, his boys hooked him up with some sweet studio headphones. Yes, we maybe did. you should, you know, hook up your boy with some sweet studio or girl. 
Yeah. Hook up your lady with, you know, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Yeah. I saw that because they're putting out stuff already. Already, yeah. What says Christ. I love you more than headphones to cancel out your own voice so that way they don't hear you? Nothing. That's what. Boom. <laughs> um, yeah, but you throw them in your cart. You put in Dark Windows 15 at checkout. You get 15% off. Doesn't sound like a lot, but 15% is a is a huge help hey, when you're buying stuff. 15% off is better than nothing. Exactly. There are they, some companies that... There are some companies that will even do the whole sponsor thing. They give nothing. They give yeah. nothing. Yeah. We got you 15% off. Yeah. And you know what else? We also got you 10% off at GameMV.net. Nice. Home of GameMV nice. Creations. Why? Because that's what we do, and I can't be the only one that, you know, likes to paint miniatures and hobby stuff. Well, the real reason is because Kip is like, dude, I'm- Kit. I'm sorry. Kit is like, I'm losing so much money selling all these hobby holders at $2 off. I get to sell everything at, you know, discounts and stuff. Yeah. So So now it's the whole store. God, your transition just to get went poop. It's supposed to. Yeah. They're yeah. not supposed to be good. That's our shtick. That's your shtick. <laughs> yeah. Horrible. But like what he was saying, though, um, with the new year, we got a new discount promo coupon. Well, same guy, Broadstone. That's me. You put in that thing and you put a bunch of stuff in your cart because you or anybody you know that likes painting miniatures, you put that stuff in there. You like put in the promo code Broadstone at checkout. You didn't spell it at the beginning. I don't spell it anymore. Oh. Do I, do I have to? B-R-O-A-D-S-T-O-N. That's me. <laughs> and then you get yourself 10% off off your entire order. Yeah, get all kinds of cool stuff there. And then we also got to talk about another lovely, lovely place known as Dicehead Games. Yeah. Where are they located? Cleveland, Tennessee. They're in Cleveland, Tennessee. Boom. Also, they're on dicehead.com, and that place is fantastic. If you're into comic books, Magic the Gathering, board games, 40K, D&D, does not matter. The lovely folks over there have it all. And if not, they know they got connections. Yeah. They, they know got, people. If they don't have it, they got a guy. Yeah. They got guys. <laughs> they got guys. Don't you worry about it. And... If you're into, you know, like I am with the miniature realm and you were getting out of a game system or you want to trade some stuff that you're given that you don't want anymore, you take pictures of it, you sign up for their trade-in program, and the lovely crew down there, Shane, Chad, and the rest of the crew, yeah, will literally give you the best price that they can for trade-in, money, store credit, whatever, Next to you doing all the hard work of going on Craigslist, type out the little thing, yeah, take your pictures, put out your thing, and hope hope to God you make somewhat break even. Where for them, like, if it's complete, send it to us. Whether you painted it, you glued it, don't worry. Send, kick it to us. We'll take care of it for you. Yeah, I shipped all my stuff down to sandwich bags. Yeah, my stuff, I took pictures of it on my floor. I was like, what were you giving me? He gave me a great price that I was not expecting because if oh, yeah. I was to piece it out, they'd be still on sale now. Uh-huh. And now I got way better stuff. Exactly. Comic books. Yeah. I got magic cards and some uh, some bolt action stuff. It's pretty yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, I do. I got some 40K stuff. Actually, the relic bus that I just finished painted were from him. Nice. Yeah. So, with that being said, we love you. Hugs, kisses. Out of here. Speeds, we miss you. Yeah. We'll see We'll see you again, though, next yeah. week. But, yeah, we'll, we'll be back. We so, will. Yeah. Back so, like a heart attack. Yes. I don't know. That Maybe not. A little too dark for what yeah. we're doing right now. Um, yeah. Back like a cuddle attack. Ooh, uh, a, a mug thing? hug. When you come up behind somebody, you just give them a big old hug. Like, oh, love you. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Smooch them on the back of the neck. Yeah, we're gonna bit. end it with all goofy because <laughs> that the topic was way too dark. Yeah, it was kind of dark. Um, let's but, go. Let's go play Fire Pro Wrestling. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah.
But anyway, just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. Kisses. I love you. Goodbye. Bye.